Alrighty, hello everybody. We're back. It's been a long, long, long time. Uh, I think since August, since I've done one of these podcast things. <laughs> and we were just talking about the cat meowing. Um, but that's that's fine. Um, so anyway, it's been a while. Uh, I'll explain that just a little briefly here. Uh, you know, with the program of recovery, uh, there's that triangle of unity, service, and recovery. And I felt like I was doing uh, a couple parts of that triangle, at least the fellowship part and going to meetings, but I wasn't doing the work. And because of that, I was feeling really down and something was missing and I needed to start doing the work. So I reached out to a friend and uh, we've been starting to do the work and things things have gotten better and I've gotten my, my head on straight, as they say. Um, so, And my sponsor uh, is pushing me to come and do these podcasts again. And other people as well uh, in my fellowship because they said it helped them out. So here we are, and it is February of 2021. And um, I got a very special guest, very special. Uh, the specialist is specials. The specialist is specials. And um, it's my mom. And we're just going to talk like we're talking normally. So hi, Mom. Hi, Mark. <laughs> I'm Bobby, Mark's mom. I'm an alcoholic. No, you, they could hear you fine. You don't need to grab the phone. Yeah, I always talk loud. Um, my sobriety date is November 12, 2012. Uh, I haven't done one of these in a long, long, long time either. So I'm a little rusty and I don't want to babble on too much. So Mark says I start with... The beginning. The beginning. She was born. Um... I grew up in El Monte to um, a single-family home. I shouldn't say single-family home. My mom and dad in your typical 60s track home. And my mom and dad were good people. Uh, I didn't think they drank too much, but they drank beer. And I had an older brother and an older sister. And they experimented with drugs in high school, but I wasn't aware of it. So I pretty much went my whole life... And in, at least, you know, in high school, not understanding why people got together on Saturday nights for a kegger. I just didn't get it. Why do you go drink and then the next day you feel bad and you're, you know, you're in high school. Go to high school. Have fun in that, which is what I did. I was in drama and journalism. But I saw the effects of my sister and my brother going to those kegger parties and feeling like crap the next day. It just didn't seem like they were getting anywhere. So that didn't appeal to you? That did not appeal to me. Even Thank back you. Then? So, lo and behold, I meet a guy, and I marry him. I met him when I just was newly 16. I married him at 20. We had no children, and we just grew apart. It was a friendly divorce, just, you know, I was 20. He was 21 when we finally got married and divorced five years later. And I would say at that time, that's I, I didn't drink during that period. We toasted with red punch at our wedding. Um, and then after I got divorced from Gary, I started going out. I met a f- girlfriend, and I started going out to Black Angus. Yeah, it dates me, Black Angus and Monrovia. And I started going on a couple nights a week, and I'd drink rum and Cokes. 
And I felt good. And I had never been in the single scene. I had only had that one boyfriend my whole time. So here I was, like 26, had been with the same guy since I was 16. And it was very nerve-wracking. And so I drank, I drank heavily when I was in the club, but I did not drink every day. I was that kind of drinker. Um, and it was in a club that I met my second future husband, Ken Perry, who is my last husband. <laughs> oh, really? Sounds, that sounds so stupid to say that way. It's just I had a first husband, Ken's my second. But anyway, so we met, and yes, we met at a at a bar, Rubens, and he wasn't drinking, and he wasn't smoking, and he bought me rum and cokes, and like, oh wow, and uh, we went on a very long date the next day, and we've been together ever since. Uh, it'll be thirty three years married in April, and thirty five together. So. We did not drink toast to fruit punch at our wedding. I had graduated by then, and we toasted with champagne. And we were up till dawn the day after our party and uh, feeling like crap. We had to get ready for a honeymoon in Mexico. And that started our wedding off, being drunk. But you don't see it at the time. And our relationship was just uh, drinking. Just drinking and and loving and all the things in life. But, you know, you think you have it under control. And alcohol is just a part of the equation. And everybody we knew, the couples we hung around with, you know, who were having children. You know, we get together for barbecues, etc. And they drank. They had beers and wine. And it was just part of every of our everyday life. I really didn't think anything about it. And somewhere where they say you cross a line... Um, I guess me and Ken both crossed the line. His his came earlier than mine, seven years earlier. Yeah. Sorry, the kitty is... Sorry, kitty got in our way. Your so he got sober when I was 49, and he just charted his own path. And two years after Ken got sober, Mark got sober, and he did his own life, which meant, to my delight that I was stuck here in the house in my I Love Lucy kitchen drinking. Um, and that was that was working out just fine with me. Not really, but I'll say it was working out fine with me. I remember that I would say, I am not going to fight. I'm not going to say anything when Ken comes home. Because by then I'd been drinking since, I don't know, five o'clock. And he'd come home from meetings, and you know how that is now. He's all happy and you know, on a, on a nice high from being in an AA meeting. And then he'd come home to me, drunk off my ass. And towards the end, I blacked out. I blacked out every night. I had sleep apnea really bad, and Mark and Ken thought that um, I wasn't going to breathe. And yet I kept saying, my drinking doesn't affect you. You did the post-it notes too? Uh, yeah, I did these notes where I found that since I blacked out, and I couldn't remember a thing the next day, if I had a little note, it jogged my alcoholic fogged brain and I could remember. And so I started writing these little notes to myself. And Mark swears, of course, I don't remember that he was also writing my little... I, I was writing them. <laughs> I, I called them PowerPoints. <laughs> 
because I put a little dot like a presentation and then I'd have it for the next morning and then when Ken called me because if I didn't if I didn't recall the things then he'd say you don't remember that do you and of course he got mad and then I would get mad so this way it's like well I'm saving myself an argument I'll know I'll remember because of the, the notes what else what should I go to Mark um so yeah your disease progressed yeah definitely it's definitely if you think you don't it progresses um what did it look like right towards the end like you you said the sleep apnea that me and dad yeah i'd stop breathing um the turning point for me came when i was in the trader joe's parking lot because at this point i was going through a case of wine a week Plus, uh, you know, I would, I would have Bailey's and vodka as my dessert at night. I would have champagne. I would have cranberry and vodka if it was summertime. So in addition to my liter or two bottles of wine and more a night, those were the other things I drank. I always kept the wine, wine rack filled. It held 12 bottles, I think. And I thought as long as it's filled nobody knows how much you're drinking. I really believed that too. And I did the thing of hiding the bottles, the extra bottles in my closet and... The closet that you and dad shared. (laughs) (laughs) And just everything was so typical. And so when I joined AA, it's like, well, I did that too. And yeah, it's just like everybody else. But anyway, my thing is, I remember we went to Trader Joe's to get my wine, to get my case of wine. And Ken was so mad at me, and he was also very, very upset and concerned. And he'd been that way for a really long time. But this is the part I remember because I really thought I am I felt trapped. I felt in a corner that I had to do something, or I had to say something. And it came to me, it just came to me, and I swear, I still don't know, except I know, I don't know any physical reason. It has to be my higher power that I said, well, if I go to rehab, I want to go to an all-woman's rehab, you know, like CASA. And that's my memory. Doesn't mean it's right, but that's my memory of it. And, um, and then we went in and bought the case of wine. And I don't even remember what month that was, but I do remember I promised, you know, we alcoholics, I promised that after New Year's, because I can't have New Year's without champagne, and I got to have New Year's, I'll go to rehab. I promise, I promise, I promise. Well, I'm trying to think. Don't tell me, Mark. I'm trying to think. It was a weekend, and it was a Sunday in November, and I was sick of drinking, you know, that two bottles of red wine. And so I wanted my Baileys. I didn't have any. So I asked, can or mark, which I find funny. I asked if anybody wanted to walk up to me to Happy's Liquor here in town to get my bottles of Bailey. And I'm pretty sure they're disgusted with me at this point. And no, no, no. And somehow, somehow that led to the next day the next morning that I was calling Kaiser. I don't remember if I said I called Kaiser. I don't remember if it was on my own. I don't remember. I don't remember who. I don't remember. But I called Kaiser and they said they could see me. Like, ooh, uh-oh. So Ken, I called Ken and he hightailed it from Torrance to our home. And him and Mark took me to Kaiser downtown 
Kaiser downtown. They, uh, <sighs> well, you had, I remember <laughs> you had to fill out a questionnaire. <laughs> like, it was like, how many, you know, bottles or whatever of alcohol do you consume a week? And you were like, oh, just one, just one to two or whatever it was. And we were like, really? <laughs> And like, yeah, and then you just gave up and were like, okay, you just fill it out for me. This was on a computer. So yeah, I do remember that I just gave up and Ken and Mark sat around the computer and <laughs> filled out my questionnaire. Because, you know, good old alcoholic Bobby, I was going to lie to the bitter end. And, you know, so it didn't look bad on me. And um, the next part of the story is, again, a little fuzzy, but I do remember Ken crying to the guy and Mark in the room. And they were, like, begging this intake person at Kaiser that no she needs to go into rehab not outpatient because I was not going to do outpatient I was not going into sunset I wasn't going to do it so I remember Ken something about a window there's this little window you know there's this little window of opportunity or something and she's right there and so there was something about the woman who was in charge of it she, Mark she went, yeah, that, that's what convinced me that the higher power was real for my own sake, was, yeah, that the woman, she wasn't there because she was just catching a flight to go somewhere, and uh, the guy, yeah, the intake guy or whatever just said to, you know, go in the waiting room and pray, and I remember that pissed me off, and we're all sitting there with you, and we're all crying, and then uh, that woman like came up to I think you or one of us and was like oh I forgot my plane tickets you know in my desk drawer or whatever but you know I heard that your mom needs help or whatever and she she got you the help and that was just like a total god thing of just like oh she okayed me to go into casa I think she okayed you to go in not only CASA, but into the detox thing that you wanted to do. Oh, yeah. I was not going to detox on my own. I was convinced I would die because I was 55 at that time. And my father-in-law, when he, he was very ill, and he was he was also a big alcoholic like me. And he, um, he, had, to have, he had to have an alcohol drip in the hospital or he would have died. That just stuck in my memory that this is serious shit getting off alcohol. Don't don't play with it. So no, I knew I needed medical care. Turns out, thank God, that uh, the detox, it, it didn't hurt. I felt, I like to tell this story because I do remember it. And that's walking in, oh, uh, should I stop? No, I just want to make sure it was recording. Oh, I did Which is it. important. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so I shared this, but to me, this was just was the ding you know, the little angel singing because they we finally got to Kaiser Detox out there in the boonies somewhere in San Bernardino County. And the I walked, it was late. It was late at it night. It was late. It was like so 7. I, and we'd been o'clock. at Kaiser, I mean, since the morning. It was all day. But I walked through those glass doors with the whoever was admitting me, and Ken and Mark were on the other side. And I always say, but it's, oh, that feeling, I can't describe the feeling of when they say a ton of bricks off your shoulders, whatever, euphemism, whatever that word is that you want to use. Oh, it was just, there it was. And I never, ever wanted to drink after that, except 
there's been times <laughs> as I got deeper into my sobriety that, gosh, that looks good when I get on board the cruise ship and that pretty cocktail with all the umbrellas. And that's as far as it goes because then it's like, nope. Or at a wedding, if you see the champagne, it's like, I did like that champagne. But I, I also know that that's a normal, that's just my normal reaction. And where I go from there is, I, there's no way. Because you just see what, you know what's going to happen after that. And I don't want to be part of the after that. That just means I get right back into that hellhole. So for those fleeting seconds, but yeah, I definitely know that that like Bill it was just lifted from me and it was lifted from my higher power because I couldn't do it I could find no manly humanly womanly reason to quit I couldn't do it I couldn't drink in moderation I tried Ken tried me and he's in the program and he would say well let's try expensive wines let's try cheap wines let's try he was desperate as I was to let's try something that I don't get drunk and black out every night Nothing works. I, for me, I cannot moderate alcohol. It's, it's the whole nine yards or none of it. So you got into detox, you, you did that, and then you went into rehab. How was your rehab experience? I stayed very focused into rehab, and I remember the first time I said those words in a rehab situation that I sat there and said, I'm an alcoholic. I remember saying it in detox, and I remember being with the ladies and doing that. And... It was hard. It was hard because I'm 55. I've never lived with women. I don't live with a, but I've had my own home since, you know, I was 20. And to have to live with a bunch of young girls, old girls, whatever, it was very difficult and very challenging for me, which I know, I guess. No, not even I guess. I know I needed to go through that experience. There was the third week. I had just had it with the cussing and just had had it. And I was going to leave. And uh, Ken came. And it was it was the big drama. And I, I stayed the, the, the week. And I'm really, really, really glad. I got my chip. I got to go through the ceremony. And I completed that. I said I was going to do it. I completed it. And I learned I didn't know anything about it, but I got to tell you, the thing that I have learned the most was when I was in CASA, they took us girls to a big book meeting. It was, oh, you got to go, you got to go. It's so much fun. You laugh, you cry, you learn so much from this guy named Jimmy. And I went my first time and I've been going to Jimmy's big book for eight years. Eight years. I will never stop. Because I've, I just, it keeps it, it just keeps it alive in me. It keeps, it keeps me sober in my soul. The sober from the drinking um, of not picking up a bottle. In retrospect, that's the easiest of sobriety, or is that sobriety? And then I get recovered because. I don't know if I'm making sense here, am I? That the recovered, and I'm doing that right now, I'm in a really difficult period of my life with this COVID, and I have a lot of anger. Um, and these are the challenges of being in sobriety, not the bottle for me. 
it's myself. It's myself and how do I, how do I do this? What happened is, was, was not good for me. What was happening during my life during this COVID. And I would, I think I started in November, I started therapy. Went to good old Kaiser again. Thank, thank you, thank you, universe, for Kaiser. And uh, so I've been seeing a therapist once a week via them. And then I recently reached out to a young woman in the program who is helping me. Just this beautiful, bright light. Seriously. She really is. She is just, she's wonderful. She, she did before anyway. I was, I met her and I was immediately attracted to her, her, to her soul. There was just something about her that just made me want to love her. And I didn't even know her, but just made me want to love her like a little kid, like a, you're my little daughter. And turns out she could be my daughter. She's 34. Mark's going to be 30. Anyway, so she is taking me through the steps, and we both say we are excited, and we are excited when we get to, to meet over the phone. I haven't seen her in 11 months, just like anybody else. Ugh, so I'm so glad I did that, and I know that was directed by my higher power, because as usual, I try to run things on my own. I'm a stubborn little woman here, and I do. It just gets my hole deeper and deeper. I got to have patience. Those around me have to have patience. Well, they don't have to, but it would be nice. And um, ask me something. <laughs> I don't know where I'm stuck. I don't know where to go from here. Well, you said, you know, you've struggled in these COVID times. And I've been here. Yeah, we all have. What would you say to somebody... That, you know, might be going through the same boat to give them hope. Well, I could say a lot of things, and I've been told a lot of things. But just like with everything, until, I don't know that's what you wanted to hear, but until you're ready, until you're ready to peek open that door to recovery again, I'm eight years sober, and to open my door to recovery again and admit, I need help. I need help. Just saying I did these steps, I don't know, seven years ago. And I go to my big book. I need more than that. And I need to reach out. But nobody in this family and nobody outside this family could tell me, go do it, go do it, go do it. So I could tell you go do it. But I'm just going to plant a little bitty seed in you, if you're listening, that... It's planted. It's planted. That it changes everything. It doesn't change my outside overnight. It doesn't change it outside overnight since November. But I hope it does a little bit because it's changing me inside. Because I know I'm being in act I know I'm taking action. I know I'm taking action. And that's what I can do, and I hope you do that too. I've been doing it on my own for a few years, and 
the, the joy and the love that my sponsor has brought into my eyes and her positiveness, it just, it's really good. It's, it's a good, it's a good feeling and to learn again. And like she was saying, well, I got a sponsor and my sponsor has a sponsor. And I was like, oh my God. So I have a great, I said, tell your sponsor, she's got a new grandchild that's probably older than her. So. I think that scratching noise that you're doing on the bed is going to go to the phone. Oh, sorry. I was picking <laughs> apart the uh, the little nubby things on the blankie here. Oh, what else could I ask you? Well, besides like the, the big book and meeting with sponsored therapy, you know, what do you, what do you do to relieve stress? I know. I know what I do to relieve stress is I do puzzles. I post them on my Facebook every time I do one. <laughs> What a crazy old lady thing to do. <laughs> but we're in this house and I have my COVID thing because it is a pandemic and there hasn't been a vaccine until very recently. So I take it extremely serious and I I laugh, but I'm a diabetic. And uh, that's my base. That's my point of view is I don't want my insides to get all messed up. I don't. And is that selfish? That is selfish. And those around me, if you want to be in my my playground, you got to play by my rules. And my rules are the CDC's rules. Just, that's where I'm at. Well, I had something. Okay, because I, I could tell by the Bobby Perry way of talking that she doesn't got much more to talk about. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> um, I always end this podcast. Well, though. can I say something? I did want to say thank you, Mark. And I also got to say, whoo, this is really out of the old comfort zone for me. I don't share in meetings. I don't go to H&I. That's not bragging. That's just my own fear. Isn't it always fucking fear? And it is with me, too. Fear, fear, fear. So this just chipped a little chip. A little chip on that. So there you go. Thank you so much, Mark, really. Thank you. Thank you. I always end the podcast by asking the person of um, what would you say to give hope to the newcomer? Go to Jimmy's Big Book Meeting. It is the best thing because this program is based upon, as Jimmy says, but it's the truth, the print in the big book, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it's tough. You are told, I was told in rehab, okay, read. And then I'm not, I never read until, you know, like I said, I was 55. I never read any of this stuff before. I don't know. Like, okay, I read it, but I don't know what I read. I don't know the meaning. Go to Jimmy's Big Book. We have, we have a bond with, a fa- we're a family. So come join our family. He meets, Mark can give you the information. But it's the understanding of the principles of the big book and then you applying them and seriously putting them in your every single day when you're upset, like when I get upset and I have things printed from the big book and to go remind myself, okay, acceptance is the key to all my problems. I have to, I, 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 I have to know what the big book says because that's what, well, that's what saves my life. That's what saves my life. That would be my advice. That's pretty good advice. Alrighty, hold on. I'm doing this off my phone. 
All right, well, you talked for almost half an hour. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry, people. (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) I'm sorry. Sarah, our kitty, is now all relaxed. And uh, I think you're going to go work on a puzzle now. I am. I'm going to go sort my puzzle pieces now because i got a source where my hands are, are sweating and I need to go relax. Well, there we go. So thank you, everybody. All righty. Thanks for listening. And we'll do more of these. It won't be months and months and months. So this is a good starter one. All righty. Oh, you were going to say Jimmy's Big Book. Oh, well, I don't know all the info. But I'll post it in the little... Yeah, really do. Here. Really do. I'll post for the uh, Zoom meetings yeah, every Saturday morning at ten. Every Saturday morning, ten p.m. Uh, Pacific. Yes, and it's a, it, just go, 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 go. Sweet. Okay. Alrighty. Until um, next time. Zippity doo da. Zippity day. My. my oh my! What a beautiful day! <laughs> I don't know. That's Disney. We miss Disneyland too. Hopefully Disney doesn't flag me. All right. Later, everybody. (laughs) Bye.